0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas.
0: Celebrating in the streets and Lubbock, because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship.
1: Welcome, one. Welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes Podcast. You are now on with your boy. I'll be sure and. It is time to talk about the Texas Tech basketball season in totality because, unfortunately, Texas Tech has lost to Duke in the Sweet 16. Um, A little bit of a bittersweet moment, so I got to bring my guys on here to talk Texas Tech basketball with me. And that starts with my right-hand man, Dylan Smites. What's up, Dylan?
0: Oh, we're we're talking Tech basketball today. Uh, Let me just turn around and and exit the building. I'm I'm not ready for this. I don't want to. It's too late. Or was it too early to say goodbye? I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. I I just like exited myself from the process once we lost that game.
1: Well, also on a podcast with us is the People's Champ, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy?
2: I tell you what. I, man, after that Adams video of him telling the whole team he doesn't want to go home, you know, he doesn't want to say goodbye that's when I was like, oh, I think I'm a, lot, I'm, I'm a lot more invested in this than I think I want to be right now. Uh, but, man, not a bad game against Duke. You played your heart out. And uh, a lot of things you can take away from that game. But hell of a season. Uh, and I am not afraid. I will, ste- I will step up. I'm not afraid to talk about this. Good season.
1: Well, so before we talk about the season in totality, let's talk about the game itself. So Texas Tech loses the Duke, 78 to Duke 78-73. to And – Somebody made a comment to me the other uh, about a day after the game, and basically saying that it was interesting that tech fans weren't really um, chewing each other's heads off after the game. It was very much a "Dang, it sucks that we lost," but great game by the Red Raiders. There's nowhere there's, there was not a situation in the game where you point fingers at a player or at the refs or at the coach or anything like that. It was just two teams in a fight, a dog fight, battling it out, and unfortunately Duke just prevailed in the end. What did you think, Dylan?
0: You know, I I found it interesting. Twitter was surprisingly cool after the game, but I I found a way to log off after that night. And if you look at my Twitter profile right now, I tweeted twice about the officials. And those are my last two last tweets since the game happened. (laughs) So um, initially, I was very upset with the officiating. Uh, I I thought, and I hate doing this. I'm usually not the one to do it, but I totally went there. I felt like Duke was getting bailed out because of coach K and there was some, some iffy calls there in the last couple minutes. But now that I've taken a breath and revisited, we got outplayed in the last few minutes of this game. We got flat out outplayed. They went on a 7-0 run with three minutes to go in the game. We got outplayed in the, the final minutes of this game. Sure. You could argue the the fouls were soft. I think that's what I had tweeted out a few times, but in the totality of it, it was a hard fought game. Mark Adams went toe to toe with the best coach in college basketball, maybe the history of college basketball. And so uh, it's hard to take have any other takeaway than being proud of this team and what they accomplished, given the circumstances to begin the year.
1: Hey, in the preview, Candace told us, Candace locked On ACC told us that that Duke whistle was going to be there. And in the first half, the refs let these guys play. Second half, I agree. There were some definitely some ticky tack calls, some calls that were very soft. But at the end of the day, I actually think the officiating was was fine. Um, but you brought up a great point. Tech was up sixty eight to sixty six with three minutes to go. Tech had the it had the momentum, kind of led our way back. We had a two point lead with three minutes to go, and it looked like man, we got to hold firm here, and we might be able to do it. We might be able to send Coach Kane to retirement. And then Paulo Banquero hit that three, and from then on. It, it, it was all duke. Jeremy, what do you think of the game?
2: Yeah, I think Adams came out with a really good game plan and it was very obvious. I <laughs> mean, in the first, you know, minute, 2 minutes of the game, uh just felt like Texas Tech was just going to be way too much for Duke, whether it was the pressure of coach K, whether it was just like the defense that they really haven't faced at all all season, you know, our style of defense and the aggressiveness and the uh just kind of the over physicality of our game and you just felt like man Duke is in for a long night in a terrible into the season but like Dylan said you know you're playing against one of the best coaches in college basketball and his ability I think we just got a little ahead of ourselves I certainly did and not recognizing that coach K has an ability to adjust and an ability to like draw up a game plan you know especially in these big tournament type games because you got all these like star players and he has that coach a like he has that coaching charisma and wisdom to like Actually, wrestle all these kind of high star recruits and high star players. Not a lot of coaches can do that. We have personally seen some coach. We've personally seen a coach who can't handle the limelight in that kind of aspect. But Coach K, something about him. Because yeah, that second half. I mean, it felt a little more tight. Duke was getting a little bit more of the whistles, whatever you call it. But man, those refs don't stop the the the, the buckets from. Uh, they don't they don't stop the ball in the air, right? And Duke just went on this incredible. Point grabbing in the last three minutes after that Bancaro three, they could not miss. And that was like, that was the damning part of it is that, you know, it wasn't, you know, okay, there was a couple of travel calls missed. I admit that for sure. Um, but like, you know, you can't, you know, if you can't stop Duke from getting a bucket and they go 70% from the second half, that's just, that's hard to win. Um, 70% teams don't do percent in tech. the
1: second half. Well, 70% yeah. in the second half. They scored 49 points in the second half, which I believe is the most points. Given up in one half by the Red Raiders all year. Uh, that, that this Duke team in the second half could not miss. And at the beginning of the second half, it was both teams. It was back and forth. Tech couldn't miss. Duke couldn't miss. And I I made a comment. I tweeted out that it was gonna it was gonna be interesting to see which coach made the defensive adjustment to slow it down. And for a little bit in the second half, that coach wasn't Mark Adams. It was Coach K. Right. Duke did a really good job. They start they switched it up. Went into more of a zone, and it, it affected Tech a little bit. But then again, like I was saying. Tech find rhythm. They were able to get points back. They had that lead, and then Duke just took over. It was it was a Mike Krzyzewski masterclass on the coaching end.
2: I and, do- do and we still played really good defense. Duke was using like the whole shot clock to get the shot up, but the shot went in. Right, like you're playing like, like you're playing into Tech's. Like we're like okay, we got you. You got two seconds to J this up. You're probably stressed, gonna miss it. No, they hit it. Every time. And so it's like both teams were playing the best basketball if they could. The problem is, is that Duke was getting the bucket at the end of it. And so it was really, it was just really, I mean, a great finish to a game. Sucks that we didn't come out with it.
0: And I thought the, the biggest difference between the first and the second half was the pace in which the game was played. In the first half, Texas Tech was running. We were running, we were dictating things. And then Coach K came out with that zone and, and really slowed us down in the second half. And it seemed like we were playing our style in the first half and then we were playing their in the second
1: yeah no absolutely I, I will I will say that this Duke team and so one of the things that I said beforehand was is that Duke a lot of the times in the season and I've watched a lot of Duke games this year they like to crumble when the pressure's on they just can't handle the pressure and it's a lot uh, again Candace talked about it as well it's a lot having to deal with that pressure of coach K's last season and they they faltered in the ACC tournament final they faltered in the last home game against North Carolina something has happened in the last two weeks Duke has the last four games Duke has played. It's probably the best four games Duke has played this entire season. The, the, the job they did against Michigan State at there at the end, right? Normally, in the early in the season, Duke would have lost that Michigan State game. Duke would have lost the Texas Tech game, right? Down 68 66, they would have lost this game right here. And then the, we're recording this after the lead eight game where Duke beat Arkansas. They went out and actually went on a big run and never relented against Arkansas. Like those are those three games right there. Are something that even the first you know, those two games right there are there? Something that Duke would have faltered. And yet they're they're moving on, and this Duke team. It's going to be hard to beat a te- Duke team playing like this because you have five potential NBA players on this Duke team and they're all starting to play like NBA players. Ballo- Paolo Banquero played great against Tech, played great against uh, uh, Michigan State, and he is absolutely having an, a, a terrific tournament. A.J. Griffin's having a good tournament. Uh, uh, Keels wasn't great against us, but he was great against Arkansas. Like, this is this Duke team is impressive. Roach was really good against us, too. Roach, oh. Oh my god! How can I not mention Jeremy Roach? Actually, if anything, Jeremy Roach and Paolo Bank carroll has been the best player on their team, and he was great, great mm-hmm. once again. Um, uh, Friday, Thursday night, Jeremy Roach might be the reason we lost this game. He, he, he was clutch down I, I t- in
0: those last few minutes. He he was the one that scored two really big buckets for
1: him in closing time. <laughs> His points well, were I louder say- than anything else. Go ahead, Jeremy.
2: Well, actually, well, I I will say an aggressive point I have that was good was a good play design, pisses me off, was the dump off to Mark Williams under the basket four times in a row. Easy eight points for two
1: guys. It's like, oh, God, just get well, it. I mean, what again, do you do? It's a, Mike, it's a Mike Krzyzewski masterclass. You look at the defense that we play and the way that we rotate, and that elevator high-low offense they were running, they, they basically what they're saying is that if you have the rotations all geared on one side, a, a, a small guy's going to be – uh having to work on mark williams if you drive that guy's gonna rotate off of mark williams to handle jeremy roach or handle whoever's uh, on the ball window more and then it's just a toss-up to mark williams for free for free and they did it four times in a row because it kept working and we were getting killed by it now eventually mark adams was able to work some things around to stop it but by then you're already you're already giving up virtually 12 points off of it right there so man mike like mike sheshevsky i you know it's funny when, when uh um, a lot of the times, like when Bobby Bowden was at Florida State, I questioned just how much coaching he was doing at the end of his career. Like, right, like it was seemed like he was more of the face. Joe Paterno at Penn State too seemed to be more of the face than the actual coach there. Mike Krzyzewski is absolutely still coaching this Duke team, right? Like he is, he is still there. He's still absolutely involved in in everything that they're doing. And uh, it was absolutely, it was. I, I hated to be on the other side of it, but it was a marvel to watch. So. Now we talked we talked about the Duke game a little bit. And we've kind of gone into detail. Let's talk about we, we talked about the Duke side of it. But what about Texas Tech? I mean, who on our team did y'all think had just an amazing game? And I'll kind of start off a little bit. I mean, Bryson Williams was still Bryson Williams. This was the game that got him. I think this is the game that gets him paid. Uh, what do you think about the players on the Tech side, uh, Jeremy?
2: Uh, man. I mean, yeah, Bryson Williams playing his game. There was a point where it seemed like Duke. And so when they switched to that zone, right. When, when teams have switched the zone on us and we are not able to get into the middle, you know, we have a really hard time dishing it out to Williams or O'Banner or getting a cut in you know, back door. It, Bryson Williams after that, I remember it was after that timeout. And I think I tweeted like, we have got to find a way to kill the zone here. Otherwise it's going to be a long second half. Uh, and It was a long second half for different reasons, but you know, when we strayed to that at timeout, it was it was a drop to play to pull that zone to one side. Then Bryson moved in. And then that plus like Bryson's athleticism, beautiful. Was able to get points to stop that drought. Was already at four minutes at that point. Stop the drought and kind of reinitiate the offense. But I tell you, uh, another player for me uh, was Kevin McCuller. Playing a lot better in this game against a, against a, a high-profile team like Duke. Uh, dishing it up. Making sure he played smart plays, um, you know, being a really good facilitator for the team and just a really good defensive presence. I think McCullough played a really good game, which I think gets me excited for the upcoming year with McCullough, you know, in the wake of all the players that are like leaving and whatnot. Uh, he's just been that player who's wanted to be. I mean, they call him the heart and soul of this team, you know, but I think that stepping into this role of like, I need to be more than that for this team. I need to be, you know, a a rock for this team, you know, being able to get points, you know, moving into that role of being that veteran point getter, kind of a la, you know, Keenan Evans. Um, Just seeing a little more confidence with him in this Duke game was really impressive for me.
1: Yeah, and all five starters played a lot in this game. Each of them had over 34 minutes or more. Um, not a lot of bench really. David Warren only 10 minutes, Marcus Santos Silva only eight minutes. But I found it interesting. A lot of them played kind of on brand, right? Bryson hit some of the big shots, like you were saying, Jeremy, at 21 and 5 in this game. Kevin O'Banner with his sixth straight double double in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kevin McCullough, like you said, being the heart and soul. Adonis Arms, 13, 7, and 7. But with that, Lord Jesus faith. <laughs>
0: Go. We're, we're, we're just going to keep going without Albie until his uh, room situation clears out. But uh, yes, n- no bench points were had in this game. A grand total of six bench points in this game between both teams.
1: Yeah. No, I was actually, and I was also going to say, interesting enough, though, I think one guy that was on this, Terrence Shannon, played a lot, played good defense. Eight points. He wasn't inefficient, but he wasn't there. And I think that's the biggest thing is that he just wasn't there altogether. (laughs) He wasn't
0: there, um, and and I think there's a bigger story to that, right? I think that emerged shortly after the game. I don't think we want to get into all that just yet, but maybe that was the reason why Terrence Shannon maybe didn't show up as much in this game. He did have one thunderous dunk that reminded you that, okay, this dude still got it.
1: Yeah, but I just wish, I think if we had more Terrence Shannon, more of the, the 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 quote unquote star of the team, if you will, this may be a different story. Jeremy, what you were you saying?
2: Yeah, that that was a hard thing is watching Terrence Shannon. Like he felt like he felt impactful, but not a lot of action offensively. And I remember there was a certain point where Shannon and Arms were both sitting at eight points, and I said, like, for me, I feel comfortable, and I've mentioned this in a couple other games. If we have four Red Raiders in double digits, and at that point it was O'Banner, Williams, and McCuller, and Shannon and Arms were sitting at you know. Eight points. I was like, it's got to be Shannon Arms. And in my mind, uh, at that point, Arms had hit. Arms was like zero and five from three, and he wasn't really getting a lot of look there offensively. Um, which I want to say, one for six from three for Adonis Arms. I love his tenacity to keep going for it, because like the dude, and we know, like we've had him on the pod, completely believes in himself. You know, completely believes in his team really is not gonna let you know the highs and lows get too much in his head. Uh, and really, you know, there at the end, even though it felt like you know, maybe a little too late for loss, uh, hits that, you know, takes the three again, but he actually makes it, right. And so you know Donna's arms just fighting through the whole game. It just felt like arms was fighting. If we're going to this, if we're going back to this, you know, Arms was fighting. Shannon was just kind of existing, and I think that was the difference for me in like both of their outputs at the end of the game. Is that you know, for me, it just felt like Shannon wasn't really as active
0: offensively, uh, and that that kind of sucked. Well, and Arms had seven assists and seven rebounds as well, so he led the team in assists and second in rebounds. So even when things weren't going offensively, he was doing things.
1: And again, that's that's his, that's his brand, yeah. right? Like uh-huh. he doesn't have to have there was one. I mean, we've talked about it before he had a game where he had one point that you know, was the most effective player on the entire team. Like that's that's Adonis Arms brand right there. And it's going to going to be sad to lose him. But I mean, I don't want to necessarily mark on the the, the lows too much, um, but it is again, it, it is sad. We had we kind of had it there. Duke went on their 7 nothing run and, and that's all she wrote. But uh, good game all in all. Um, there's a good right now. It looks like Duke is kind of on a, a crash course to do a championship, and and you know Tech just so far played them the toughest out of anybody, um, and it could be similar to the 2018 season where Tech lost to Villanova, but we were the closest, <laughs> we were closest team to beat them. So yeah, um, exactly. What I'm thinking. Did not feel like <laughs> it. even even though it did not feel like it. So, um, but I I do want to so with this Texas Tech team, we kind of mentioned it already. The season is over. Um, and before we kind of talk about the future, let's talk about the past a little bit. Um, I've already mentioned that this is my favorite Texas Tech regular season of all time. My favorite Texas Tech team of all time. Um, the result isn't as great as it was 2019 when we went to the national championship game or 2018 when we went to the lead eight. Uh, but this team was still very special. This season was still very special because it's Mark Adams first season, the whole beard stuff. The, the, this team of seniors, of, of castoffs, if you will, coming together and being the team they were, I absolutely love this team and I love this season. Uh, Dylan, what what do you have to say about this 2021-2022 season?
0: You know, I, I, I'm not going to say, I, I don't think this is my favorite regular season team of all time, but some of these guys will be up there for me with uh, some of the all-time transfers. Adonis Arms, for one, will probably be one of the players I miss the most because He was just willing to do whatever it takes to win. If you need him to score, he's going to score. You need him to be your primary ball handler, he's going to do that too. Um, He'll pull down seven rebounds against Duke in a a big game. So I'll miss Adonis Arms a lot. Obviously, Bryson Williams, once he he found his role, he was spectacular for this team. Um, Terrence Shannon Jr., regardless of what he decides to do going forward, I think we all need to be thankful for what he's given Texas Tech. Um, And then... Obviously, uh, Santos Silva will be severely missed in Lubbock. He will be very much missed in Lubbock, and I have a feeling he'll be around just like Norin Sodiase is. He'll be around.
1: Absolutely, uh, Jeremy. What else do you have to say for the team?
2: Uh, I mean, we've we've talked about it before, but you know, this time last year. Uh, Really didn't have anything. I Really didn't have anything going forward. You had a couple people on staff, not many people on the team, and a lot of questions in the air. And I think if you would have told any of us at that point, hey, you make a sweet 16 run, and you'd go out with a really good game against uh, Coach K, who, by the way, he's going to retire, um, I would be happy with that. You know, I think that that is a really good first year. Let's not forget, this is the first year for Mark Adams as a Division One head coach. Uh, for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, right in one of the in the toughest basketball conference uh, in the nation, and you finish third in the Big Twelve. You sweep, you sweep the defending national champions. You sweep your in-state rival. Uh, you you're 26 and six in the conference. You're in 27-10 overall. You're ending as a top uh, consensus, probably top 15 team in the nation. Um, that's a hell of a first season and you have a lot of people to thank for that a lot of people coming back a lot of people putting their faith in you know mark adams and what he wants to do and by the way while this is all going on you're picking up massive recruits uh for texas tech basketball and you're in the running for even more massive recruits uh for texas tech basketball like you (laughs) you didn't skip a beat like texas tech basketball is here to stay and the trajectory is looking great and i mean you know in the eventuality that duke wins the national championship you're not going to look at this like oh shoot uh or if they lose to the peacocks you'll still be like ah you know it wasn't that bad um i'm a big peacock for the national championship fan now so but i think that like this season was such a success and just because it did not end in a national championship should not for one second take away all the good that we've been able to experience all the fun times we've been able to experience this year uh solely in mark adams first season
1: yeah, I think that's a great point. That it is his first season, so if he can do all this and in one season, Lord knows what he can do. Once he actually builds up, I mean, mind you, he also did this with mostly vets. We're gonna have a lot of freshmen coming in next year, and and I, I we'll talk about that next year in general here in a little bit. But I am interested to see not necessarily next year, but what he does once he's built up the youth. Once Daniel the but Daniel Bachos and the KJ Allens and and some of these younger players that are now then seniors and juniors. Uh, the of pop, the, the Pop Isaacs, the, you know, some of the, the Lamar Washington's, one of those guys are seniors and juniors. Then what does this team look like? Um, I'm very interested to see that and see what he can do. Um, I'm also interested to talk about our new sponsor, Vacation Tree Line. Tree Line Rentals. Listen, if you like the relaxing sounds, views of natures, and beautiful cabins, then you know that Tree Line Vacation Rentals are for you. I know a lot of our listeners are big, you know, they're big, big uh, uh, camping people, right? I I tell you something, I'm not I'm not a huge camper. I'm not gonna lie to y'all, but when I go when I go out, I actually went to the Poconos just what uh, last year, and I got I need me a cabin. If I'm gonna be out there, I need some a little bit of relaxation. And and if you're like me and you want a little bit of relaxation, you want to go camping, but you don't want all that. You don't want to necessarily sleep on the floor, do all that other stuff. You get the cabin to yourself and things like that. Then Vacation Tree Line is the way to go. All right. So make sure if you need a broken bow cabin rental, go to Vacation Tree Line for tree line rentals and management. And get this, because they're a friend of the Tortillas and Takes podcast and because you're a listener, of the Tortillas and Takes podcast, all Red Raiders get a 25 percent discount and direct booking with no additional fees here at TNT. We're going to hook you up. So go to VacationTreeLine.com to make sure to book your next vacation rental. Um, so our listeners are going to be booking their next vacation rental and it's time for us to look at our next basketball season, right? So we were, we had a conversation in the TNT chat about next year, way too early, a way too early looking next year. Obviously we don't know what this team's going to look like. We don't know who's going to be on this team. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit, Terrence Shannon, literally the day after the game announced that he's entering the transfer portal. Um, so this team's going to be going to be different. I mean, we have four guys, four guys guaranteed to leave and Marcus Santos, Silva, Adonis arms, uh, um, Bryson Williams and Davion Warren. Those guys are gone. They've exhausted their super senior season. Kevin O'Bannon is a senior, but still has another COVID year. He could come back if he wants to, uh, Terrence Shannon, like I said, is entered the transfer portal and he's already flirted with the NBA as well. And then you also have Kevin McCullough who could also flirt with, with the NBA entry or anything like that. Um, Kind of, I mean, Dylan. What do you think? Who out of out of those three guys, Kevin O'Banner, Ter- Kevin McCuller, Taron Shannon Jr., will we get any of them back? Will will all three of them leave? What do you think? I
0: think uh, Kevin McCaller will test the NBA waters and they'll say, come back for a year. Um, so, so I think we'll have Kevin McCaller for one more year, but I, I think that's the only guy out of those three that I think remains Kevin O'Banner. I think there's a chance, but he already did this once, right? He already tested the NBA waters once. It, it I think it's uncommon for a guy to do that three times, right? So I think he's gone. Well,
1: so, well, one thing is, is once you've tested it once and come back, you can't do it again. Right. And that's and that's the one thing I do want to point out when it comes to Terrence Shannon is the is if he enters the draft, then he's entered the draft. He's in the draft. Like you can't. You know, so that's that is one thing when it comes to the transfer portal with Terrence Shannon. I do want to point that out is it's not a though I do kind of find it unlikely he comes back to tech, to be honest. um, I do think that it's still pretty likely he could just enter the draft. I I think that's still a point there, but I don't I think it's more so he wants to see what all his options are. I think there's a chance that it could be an Oscar Chiboy situation. Oscar Chiboy was at West Virginia for three years, and then he entered the Toronto and wound up at Kentucky. And let me tell you something. The one year at Kentucky did more for his NBA draft stock than another year at West Virginia was, would. So I think there's a chance there as well. Um, I don't think that we're going to see Terrence Shannon make a lateral move. I think if he transfers, it's going to be hell. Actually, I just saw I saw somebody at Kentucky talk about Terrence Shannon. <laughs> transferring to Kentucky. I, I could see that, right? And so it'll be interesting. I mean, Jeremy, what do you think about those three guys?
2: Uh, it's an interesting like scenario between all of them out of all of them. Obviously McCullough, you feel like will be the one to come back. Uh, it's all like coming back. He took that step to come back this year under Mark Adams. And that's great. And he got a lot of it. Like he got a lot of, um, play time, obviously, um, had a couple injuries at battle through, but you know, he comes in next season. If he comes in next season, he's that dude, you know, Shannon, I don't expect Shannon to come back. Uh, if anything, like you guys say, maybe kind of a, a move to Kentucky or something like that. Um, because, you know, he, he is that he is that NBA prospect that whether no matter how he's played, like people are still coming out to watch Shannon. And so Shannon's going to want to I like put himself in a position, um, you know, a la Kyler Edwards, who's playing at Houston now, um, got a lot more, you know, uh, activeness in that Houston offense. And um, so just that sucks. Right. Because. You want Texas Tech to be all of these things for all these athletes, but it just can't be. And so that's where the nature of the transfer portal comes in handy for these players. And so for Kevin O'Banner, man, I have no idea. <laughs> uh be cool if he came back, but if he didn't, makes sense. Yeah, you, know, you had a really good season. Uh, you have all these like life changing stats uh, for Texas Tech. And why not, you know, just go to the go to the like go into the draft and see where you can get pushed into this like pipeline for the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. Um,
1: yeah, it was With O'Banner, I see a similar Mac McClung situation. Remember Mac McClung? Went to the NBA, tested the NBA waters, came out, transferred to Tech instead. Um, And though he wasn't going to be drafted, uh, figured, hey, I might not be drafted in the NBA, but I know I'm going to get picked up by somebody. And he's had a good G League year. His rookie year has been mostly in the G League, but he's he's balled out in the G League. Played a couple NBA games this year as well. And I think O'Banner could have a very similar situation uh, for him as well. Um, I don't see, unlike Terrence Shannon and McCullough, I honestly do not see another year for O'Banner really helping his NBA stock in college. Um, but I, I, uh, I'm I kind of 60 40 on him leaving. I think there's a chance that he comes back, but um, and if he comes back, I think he becomes the Bryson Williams of the team next year. I think that you'll see a lot more of the offense flow through him as he is that veteran, that super senior, becomes really takes that next role as leader on this team. Um, but it, it'll be definitely interesting to see whether or not he does. I know, I know we would love him, absolutely love him to come back. It's going to be a young team,
2: yep, and there's a lot of interesting. Now, I will say there's some musings, and we'll, uh, you know, along the coaching staff, apparently Talvin Hester was in Ruston uh, after the game and that's, in, that's Louisiana Tech, for anybody who doesn't know, um, and that they feel pretty good about him being moving on to be the head coach at Louisiana Tech, which would be – It's awesome. What is this pipeline this building? That's great. What is this pipe? <laughs> they, they got Cumbie, and they're like, you know what? Something about I West Texas. Made that. Something, something about that lack of water out in West <laughs> Texas. I think we could really – and so, you know, I would not be surprised in the next couple of – like a week or so, we'll hear um, some more momentum with uh, Talvin Hester, who's a really good, um, who's been really good for us in this year. Moving on to a head coaching position at uh, LaTeX. but there are a lot of so to get people. Excited, I think, about the future of tech basketball. There are a lot of youth. There's a lot of youth coming in. There still could be opportunity for really good players coming into this next season. Um, but there's also a lot of really good portal, like portal players out there, and we've got a couple of scholarships to mess around with. Uh, one name, uh, Fidal Zamak, who, who plays for Utah Valley, um, you know, six foot eleven. Big boy, two forty five comes off this like you know, averaging eighteen, you know, nineteen points a game with almost fifteen rebounds a game, uh, just tremendous player. Like there's a lot of names out there in the portal that I think, with Adams at the helm and whoever's on this coaching staff, can look at and say, okay, these are the kind of guys you know that we need to come in and bring some seniority, a, but kind of b to play our that that, that game that elevates their stock a little bit, where you know they may feel like they're points getters and they just want to improve their defense, x, y, z. Um, so it's just we're in a really cool place where. We've got youth coming in, but we still have kind of the margin to bring in seniority and to bring in impact players who, kind of like Adonis Arms, have had really good seasons, but need to step up into that level of competition. They can show, you know, the next level of like I'm here to like I I can do this. I
0: can I can rise to the occasion. And so it's just a really exciting place for tech basketball. I I do expect I do expect Mark Adams to do similar to what he did last year. We're gonna go get some veterans to to add some experience to the squad, but there's still. There's plenty of youth to be excited about. I think we've all be, both been on record saying Daniel Bacho and Malik Wilson are both going to be problems eventually in the Big 12. So there there are some young pieces that are still on this team that we could see make a jump.
1: Oh, absolutely. Shibuzo, Agbo, I, actually, too. I think next, so I think it, next year will be very interesting to see Buzo, to see um, uh, Bacho. Uh, how some of these players are going to be, um, I, you know, technically that, you know, I'm, I'm holding out hope for our, our French, our Frenchman, <laughs> the scholarship going out. Um, and we'll see. He just got released from his, his, uh, uh, commitment. He just decommitted from LSU. Sorry. And so we'll see, we'll see where that takes us. But, uh, with that, with Terrence Shannon now, now leaving right now, currently we have, um, Two scholarships left to give out currently. Uh, If you remember, we've already given four out for next year. Um, And then you have Shannon makes five. And then we forget that our Calhoun, I remember him. He, he entered the transfer portal months ago. So we have two scholarships currently available. Um, and then, of course, if, if O'Banner or, or McCullough or either one ends up ends up leaving, we'll have a couple more. But, yeah, it does seem like we're, they're definitely gearing towards a let's get vets on this team. Let's get it to where we get some, some, some leadership because we're going to need it. Like I said, young players. I am interested to see some of the freshmen coming out. Pop Isaacs is a bucket. Pop Isaacs has been a bucket, but he's only gonna be 18 years old next year. He's gonna be a true freshman. I personally, unless these are one and done type players, I, I don't put a lot of faith in, in freshmen unless until they prove that they are that they are what they they should be. Now Jalen Tyson is technically gonna be a freshman next year. Um so that'll be another another name. And he's also a bucket. And he'll be he'll be out with something to prove in his redshirt freshman year as well. I personally he, I personally think that Jalen Tyson is going to be, <laughs> I think he's going to be a starter. I'm just passing over your Ethan Duncan comment. You. Uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh,
2: You're wrong for I, that. You're wrong for I that. We'll revisit this pod in a year. We'll revisit this I pod in a thoughts. year.
1: <laughs> I have thoughts, absolutely. But, but no, this will be, a, uh, I think this team, I do want to, the main thing I want to say about this team next year, fans, we've got to be patient. This is the, I need Red Raider Nation to be very, very patient with next year's team. Because I, this team, as, of, as we stand right now, currently, this is going to be a tough team next year. And I don't mean that in a positive way. This is going to be a tough... tough this team is going to have some some struggles along the way. Um, now, of course, we don't know who's going to be added onto this team. But as the current construction, I see a struggle bus uh, as we go and a team that's going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament berth. But you don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mark Adams is an incredible coach. What so could change?
0: I think people need to realize how incredibly lucky we were to land Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, and Adonis Arms. First of all, Adonis Arms being a diamond in the rough. Adonis Irons being a nobody Big coming Fox. to be like one of the most important contributors on our team this year. And then Bryson Williams, we knew he was a bucket, but we, I don't think anyone knew he was going to be this good on this stage. And then Kevin O'Banner just, it, we got really lucky with those transfers this year. So it's going to be hard to strike gold like that again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those like, like, to, I, to expect the next two transfers to also be Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams again, it's going to be tough. That's gonna to be tough, but um, I do think I do think the, proje- the tra- trajectory changes if McCullough and O'Bannon come back. Then where it's a completely different conversation, completely different conversation. Um, but we'll see. Anything else you want to say to the people, Dylan?
0: Stan accounts are dumb. I'm I'm over them. Please stop making them. Stan accounts, just just stop, please. Stan accounts. Now, this being said, Kurt Wilson absolutely deserved one after doing what he did to Texas, but. I saw another stan account this weekend and I had to comment. I was like, "Guys,
1: oh, Kurt Wilson has a stan account now? Oh, that's what you were talking yeah, about." Yeah, that's I where that's
0: where, where cuz I put it in the group chat this morning. Am I being the fun police or are stan accounts dumb? And and everyone agreed with me. They're dumb um it's like it's like those that old page it was like uh i don't know like wartime general andrew luck and it was really funny it was a really funny page and then people started doing it for every quarterback in the nfl and it just wasn't funny anymore and that's what you've done with stan accounts so thank you twitter
1: (laughs) i will say shout out to kurt wilson he's crushed texas hearts um, really brought out this Texas-Texas Tech series has been great. Baseball season's been great because it's truly brought out the insecurity of Texas fans. Um, I would like you know, I would just, like to direct you to my stand.
0: profile banner, just in regards to this comment. Keep going.
1: Yeah, at Dill on Twitter. Make sure to follow. Um, great Twitter name, by the way. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it'll be very. It, this Texas is so upset, mind you. The Texas Tech women's basketball had, unfortunately, one of the worst teams. Um in the Big 12. The Texas Longhorns are going to the Elite Eight. Guess who beat them <laughs> this year? Texas can't stop losing to tech this year. It's fantastic. We we keep we keep beating them. It's great. I can't see that, Dylan. It says uh, Jeremy, it's, it's a, a message
0: board post from UT fans, and it says, I'm so tired of losing to tech.
2: They just can't stop it, man. Uh man, this has been fun. This has been a lot more fun than I thought it would be this year. And yeah, just uh, really exciting, really excited for the summer, honestly, really excited for all of the developments, right? Cause like last year it was panic. What's gonna happen this year? It's like, I don't know what's gonna happen. So I think yeah, you got really a point out, but I think just for Texas Tech fans, man, just be patient. Just be along for the ride. Put your trust in Mark Adams and what this, you know, what they want to do with this program. And um, yeah, horns down as always. I want to give a shout out to my boy, uh, <clears throat> uh, Malik Metaver who just crushed, uh, a UT athlete in the four hundred hurdles, like UT, like I don't know who was running against him, but <laughs> he was at least a couple meters ahead of him, and on that last stretch, and <laughs> Malik just blows past him at the end, crosses the line, and hits the double horns down after four hundred oh, awesome. meters of. V- Hurdles, like that's the he was reserving that energy to hit that. T- I like that he did it like- after
0: the race, not Alan Bowman style, you know, like in the the very oh, yeah. last <laughs> the leg of the race. <laughs> um,
1: I feel like we should donate a bottle of Fields of Gold wine to every single athlete that drops the horns down after beating Texas, uh, right? Like we should. That should be our nil. Does that count? That's uh, our NIL to, to are, are all these athletes
0: of age to receive these gifts. I don't think so. We we
1: we gotta we gotta we gotta figure this out. That's where we gotta, you know, maybe we maybe you hold the bottle on like on ice for the years until they turn twenty-one, and then hey, remember that thing you did a year or two ago? Yeah, here's your fields of gold bottle old wine. We're gonna age it for them
0: Thanks. until they're of age. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um so but no, it's that's that's yeah, that's that's gonna be our our gift. To athletes that defeat Texas and drop a horns down, because hell, Kurt Wilson's horns down was oh, it was it was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic. So um, that's that's all I got. So for uh, the people's champ that is Jamie Gillen, and for the producer extraordinaire Dylan Smythe, this is. I'll be you have been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social
2: Podcast Network.